Yeah, the days just kind of went by. And I think that's really when we began to understand an important lesson about traveling in our trip, where if you want it to be sustainable, you can't spend every day bouncing around. You can't spend every day tasting tapas at restaurants. You have to take days where you're resting. You have to take opportunities to reflect. Hi guys, welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. Thanks for being a listener. On this podcast, we cover a wide variety of health and wellness topics, and today we're talking about traveling sustainably. This episode, Travel Light Experience Heavy with Sheila Murray and James Simone, the recently engaged couple, share all about their decision to quit their jobs and travel the world together, where they went, why, their tips and tricks for packing, traveling on a budget, experiencing culture, etc., etc. Before we head into the interview, I wanted to share a new podcast sponsor that is so, so exciting to talk about. I'm partnering with Hedery CBD. So if you've ever been curious about CBD, which helps reduce symptoms of anxiety and help you sleep, I really love the sleep tincture. It is a full spectrum hemp derived CBD oil formulated with melatonin to soothe the mind and body from stressors that compete with our natural sleep cycle. They are giving this deal exclusively to not another wellness podcast listeners. So use my code for 15% off. It's not 15. And before we dive into the actual interview again, going to share a quick readings and review from Brooke Craven. It says, awesome podcast. Natalie, host of Not Another Wellness podcast, highlights all aspects of health and more in this can't miss podcast. The host and expert guests offer insightful advice and information that is helpful to anyone who listens. This ratings and review is really important to me because it really encompasses the full mission of why I'm doing this podcast. I find it so confusing in a world where there's so much information on health and wellness and you just don't really know who to turn to for answers. So these interviews really include people that are just sharing their natural stories with you. You know, you get to hear the journey, their tips and tricks, and to get to have a travel episode has been something I've been wanting to do for a while. Sheila and I, from this episode, actually went to college together. And when she told me about her plans to quit her job and travel the world, I was like, Wow, I can't wait to follow along and see where you go and see what happens. They have this awesome blog called sheandjim.com where they post really insightful, thoughtful reflections on travel. One of my favorite ones, which we touch on on this episode, is about relationships and travel, why communication is so important, talks about self-discovery, what it's actually like to travel for months on end. Really excited for this because it's such an important topic and I wish more people had the guts to get out there and travel and experience culture in, in the world in this way. So I got to interview them while they were still in London, which was such a gift. They had only one week left on this trip, and it was so nice that they sat down with me over my coffee and their afternoon tea to share about their experience. So this will definitely inspire you to think outside the box about what your life should look like and what you can actually do if you save your money and travel mindfully. So without any further ado, she and Jim, here we go.
everyone. Welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. Today on the podcast interview is Sheila and James. We're coming to the show from London, physically in London right now. Hey to the both of you. How are you guys doing? Hi, Natalie. Hi, Natalie. It's so nice to chat. It's been too long. Yeah, it has. It has been a really long time. Good time to catch up, too, as we're on the uh, tail end of our trip here. Yeah, I know. I wanted to catch you guys before the end because I've got so many questions for how you've made this happen and made it a reality. So, and you're currently in London, correct? Yes, we are in beautiful uh, Notting Hill. It's actually a surprisingly sunny day. True. It's, it's quite hot today, actually. Yeah, we were outside uh, earlier today um, taking part in a Harry Potter tour <laughs> that we actually bailed on because uh, it was A, hot, and B, not exactly what we'd expected. But surprising, it hasn't rained yet today. That's good here. Yeah, you're catching like England, I feel like, at the best time of year possible. Yeah, I didn't realize that at the time, but I think that's that's true. Yeah. Cool. Well, guys, first things first, I would love just to start the interview by asking each of you a little question about something that lights you up in this world. So I typically ask my guests this, don't overthink it, but Sheila, what, what's something that you comes to mind when you think of that question? Like what lights you up? Okay. Um, I think the first, so I'll say the first thing is that pop into my head. Um, the first thing was being amongst a lot of people that I love. I'm definitely like an extroverted person in the way that I get a lot of my energy from people. And so being in a space where I'm surrounded by people that I love, that I care about, or that I'm inspired by that lights me up. Um, and also really good food, um, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point, but James and I both have a passion for food and especially plant-based eating. And so I think just, experiencing a new meal and new flavors that's something that lights me up too awesome that dovetails nicely into my response which is cooking uh it's something that we hope to explore more on our blog in the coming months um as Sheila mentioned we are both plant-based and that was (laughs) that's true sometimes we eat cheese but mostly plant-based um and For me, I feel like cooking is the best way to interact with people, either in sharing a meal or in curating a meal for people. It's so fun to be able to show people, especially who are not plant-based, the joys that you can experience in terms of flavor and nutrition in the food that is made. I think that we've been really lucky um, several times in terms of sharing meals with people at restaurants, not specifically plant-based meals, but having a meal be more of an experience than just chopping down your food, ending it, or, you know, dousing your food with a glass of wine. Like that's been, that's been a really positive way for us to catch up with people, to relate to people on our trip and prior to us traveling is making food and sharing food with others. I love that. And I've totally seen that as part of your blog and your Instagrams that you guys have. You've been sharing so much about what you've been up to from like 
the hosts of people that you've stayed with and sharing like meals with them. And I, I've seen you guys like make these really cool pancakes. Can we talk about those? Yeah, we, <laughs> we love pancakes. Um, we actually, we've, we've uh, been calling them hand cakes for a while now too, because we end up making so many that we eat them for leftovers or like on the go snacks. Um, and we just like pick them up as you would like a sandwich almost, but just like the cake itself. And we have experimented with sweet and savory while we've been on the road. Um, James knows a lot about different grains and what goes well together. Um, we used to make some sourdough pancakes too, when we had our starter back at home. Um, yeah, pancakes light us up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one for sure. I love it. I love hearing like how you guys compliment each other. Obviously, you've been spending so much of your time. So before we get into like current travels, what you've been up to, I'd love to hear a little story about how you guys met, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Um, I don't care who shares, if you want to kind of like collaboratively go into the story. I'd love to hear like both perspectives, honestly. Yeah, sure. We met originally um, at work, but as part of a running group that three years ago now, a friend of ours um, had the summers to himself. Uh, he's, he's a little bit older and ha- is married with kids and he didn't need to be driving his kids to school, which is why he had the summers to himself. Um, and he decided that he wanted to get together a group of people to meet every Wednesday at 7 a.m. to run seven miles. Um, and for me, it was the absolute perfect Thing. I love the mornings. I think it's the best part of the day. And I was looking to get in a little bit of extra mileage. So I was actually running to work and then doing the seven mile run and then running home, which was like the, the most quintessential New England day that you could experience in the summertime outside of the whole day, having a great time. And one day I ran in to the office to meet up with the running group and there Sheila was. So that was the first time that we met. And then we ended up working together uh, two years after that, or a year after that, how many years? Two years after that. Yeah, about two years, I think. Um, And we ended up working for the same company, which was sort of random because I had already been working um, at this place for a while and we both changed jobs within a few months of one another to be working for the same company. And as we started interacting more, we realized that we had more in common, uh, especially the vegetarian based lifestyle. I think that was big, but we also started running together because we were training for an ultra marathon that we did last year. And that was when things really got set into motion, I would say. And when I sat across from him at work, I started oh, yeah. sitting. <laughs> I had to, I had to move seats Who could forget? because there weren't enough seats in my area and someone new was coming in. So I moved seats and I sat directly in front of James for a couple of, it was like a month or something like that. Maybe it was probably a little bit more than a month. It was definitely the, let's call it the best six weeks of work that I had. But we insert here that I had this like big, I don't know. I had this rule that I designed in my head where I, I wouldn't date anyone from work. Um, and I was very, um, I guess I was not so slick or not so, um, 
I, I basically said it. I said, I don't want to date anybody from work loud enough for James to hear to James, but kind of about a different situation. We had just come back <laughs> from a run and Sheila exclaimed this to me uh, in reference to one of the many other suitors that I'm sure that she had in her timeline. <laughs> yeah. I was doing my best to humbly abide by that rule. I really was. I, I went out of my way to never approach her in any way other than as a friend. And I think that that pillar, um, the relationship that we had previously as friends was actually crucial yeah. to us developing a strong, the strong relationship that we have today and why it proceeded so quickly after that. Mm -hmm. I love that you guys, because work relationship, like that's, that is a very, very tricky place to be. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it happens all the time, but no yeah. one seems to know the right way to do it. It can be so uncomfortable and awkward if it doesn't work out. And I've known that to happen to so many people. So Sheila, I totally get that role. Like, was that what it was based in? Like, I sort of don't want to mix work with, relationships or it, it was a mix of I don't want to work mix work and relationships but also in the past I've always had a lot of really close guy friends um and I am very cautious about crossing that line um because I value my friendships so much sure then you guys started dating so that um that, that happened. Did someone have to make the first move? I can guess who it was, but. <laughs> <laughs> who was it? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. I I had to ask Sheila out after several failed attempts at asking her out. One of which uh, I rode off on a bike. <laughs> yeah, we, we went to have dinner with her friend and future roommate, a girl who's also from <laughs> Bow, New Hampshire. Uh, and after the dinner, I mean, it was the time. It was obvious that something was in the air at that point. And she was just like, fine, there you go, and rode off. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm horrible. But he did, he finally, um, he got finally got the chance when we were sitting, um, we were sitting at a dock on the Boston Harbor eating some hummus and baby carrots um, it was probably a three hour long conversation, most of which was, had nothing to do with us and had everything to do with like the birds that were around us, I think, to fill the, the air with something as we both figured. As we both tread new ground. Yes. In fact, I was like about to text her friend. I got back to my apartment and I was so confused and I was like <laughs> in the middle of typing out all of these different iterations of like, hi, I'd like to phone a friend to the girl who we had just gone to have dinner with when Sheila texted me asking if I wanted to go on this run the next day, which is the day that I ended up asking her out. Yeah. Um, so at that point I was like, okay, I, I think that's the sign I was looking for. Yeah. Oh, one of the things that I said too on that night that, um, that I kind of finally gave James the chance was that I, I had not had someone who cared for me so much the way that he did. Um, and I think that was really powerful because, you know, you come to a time in your life where you realize that you want to sound, surround your yourself with people that, that really bring a lot of life into your light into your life and that make your life easier. Um, and I think too, I had been so fiercely independent that I didn't want any 
I didn't really want any other support or I didn't feel like I needed it until I realized like, Hey, this is actually something that can be beneficial um, to have a really supportive partner. Um, and James entered my life in a time where my mom was, um, was still ill. We thought that she was kind of on the upswing from cancer, but it, it was about a month after we started dating that she was re-diagnosed with cancer. Um, and the whole way through, I, I think James and I were checking in with each other. Um, clearly he was always checking in with me as he does, but I also wanted to make sure that he understood what he was kind of getting himself into because this was again, like un, unchartered territory was you know, the, the loss of, of a mother, um, who I hadn't yet lost, but it was a lot of time spent around my family, um, and her getting weaker. Um, a lot of things that we just didn't, we didn't know what was going to happen, um, at that time. So it was a, less than a month after we started dating that he actually, um, came and spent the weekend at my house, uh, in New Hampshire because my mom had a stroke. Um, my dad had never even heard of who he was because again, this is all very new. So he was like, who is this person? Like James just comes in he starts like making food, like doesn't even like say anything or need anything, just starts doing all of these, um, amazingly helpful chores for my family, um, and fits in right away. Um, and I think that really solidified things for us as well. Um, and then it was a month after that. Um, so about two months after we started dating that, um, my mom died. Um, so, you know, it's been almost a year now, it'll be a year and about a week, um, since she passed. And so the past year, you know, our relationship is not separate from the loss of my mom. I think it's very much entrenched in our relationship, um, which is unique. Um, it also has kind of expedited a lot of what you would quote unquote think of as the, the classic relationship. So we can't really base what we're doing or how things are happening on, you know, what we think should be the way, if that makes sense. Um, you know, how much time do we start living together? Well, we just waited, what was it, four, five months or something like that? I mean, we waited for me to move in, but right. I was effectively living out of your apartment from September onwards. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so it was, yeah, in September, really, that um, he started, he was staying at our apartment um, almost every night. Um, making us food, <laughs> making us bread. Um, it was the best. We had the best time. And I had, I had the most amazing roommate at the time as well. Um, and then he moved in in January and then we set off for this trip in May. So wow, a lot of things, yeah. a lot of things, a lot of really heavy situations to go through together. Um, and, and really just figure it out on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, very early on. I just think that's that's really unique. You said it yourself, you know, to have that experience, you know, happen to you, but happen to you together. Um, and, and very quickly you have to learn how to show up for each other and like, you know, how someone is handling something that's devastating and how to be there for them without, you know, really knowing the person and, and how they would handle that situation prior. Um, James, for you, 
from from your perspective of this, like you obviously, um, for you, what were those first couple of months like um, being her new boyfriend, I guess? Our relationship was definitely tempered in a fire of loss that could hardly have been foreseen for me. I was very hopeful in the beginning about being able to get to know Sheila's mom. And indeed, I mean, the first time that I went up there, she made it all about me, which was ridiculous because I came to see her in a hospital room, right? And I had met her one time previously, like the week before that in Boston, and she had been seemingly fine. So it was a really abrupt and unexpected turnaround but there was never any doubt in my mind that I was going to do anything other than give Sheila and her family everything that I could, while at the same time allowing for the fact that it might not be the right time, you know? And I, I made sure that she knew that if for whatever reason it had just become too much with this new person in her life, I would totally have understood. And I, I left that option out there for as long as I could while still taking the plunge and really just committing to not just her, but her friends and her family and meeting the people that were important to her. Um, and I continue to meet those people. And I'm continually amazed by the strength of the relationships that Sheila has built in her life which for me was one of the most attractive things about her to begin with. So you guys came together through all this, leaned on each other, and then decided, let's quit our jobs. Uh, an area where our relationship grew was in James's um, kitchen. And it was there that we had a lot of our conversations about how we were not necessarily in the city that we wanted to be in and we weren't in the jobs that we wanted to be in. Um, both of us had an itch um, to either move out west or, you know, for me, it was moving abroad. I had always wanted to move abroad. I, I didn't. Um, back in 2017 because my mom was diagnosed. Um, and then, you know, I, I knew that I, I still, there was still something that I wanted to do. So, you know, we had talked about this before. It was just a matter of like timing and. Sure. So yeah. What did that process look like? Did you sit down one day? I mean, you'd obviously talked about it. You'd both discuss that possibility, but um, was there like a day where you were just like, all right, let's, pick a date, like, where are we going? And how did that, how did that work? We definitely started planning fairly early on like the fall. in the fall of, of 2018. In September, we, we committed to the idea of leaving our jobs and traveling the next year. We had some pre-existing travel commitments, so to speak, in the sense that we were going to visit one of Sheila's uh, friends from home out west in April or like we knew that it was going to be somewhere in the early spring of 2019 that really helped us mm -hmm. um, in deciding when we were going to leave and then actually yeah the the planning for the trip was really interesting in the beginning because we sort of had a we had an idea of starting in Slovenia to see 
um, one of Sheila's friends that she had met while studying abroad in Costa Rica. And from there, in the beginning, it was actually kind of hard to plan until we learned that we were going to be able to stay with my friends in Paris. Mm -hmm. And that allowed us to wireframe the rest of the trip mm -hmm. around those details. And it developed fluidly from there. We learned that we had to come back to the States for a few days between uh, seeing our friends in Switzerland and eventually going to Paris because Sheila's cousin was getting married. And all of those anchored dates really solidified a vague plan of ours that got more fully fleshed out as we went along. And the um, quitting our jobs aspect of it. Um, yeah. What was that like? Like, how did you, like, was that, how, I don't even know what I'm trying to ask. Um, what was, was it scary? Was yeah. it, was it, yeah. <laughs> all <of this. laughs> Um, yeah, that's definitely like a question that a lot of people had. I think in the fall, especially because it was on the heels of a very big loss, nothing really felt that scary or outrageous, if that makes sense. Um, I had planned on sticking it out at our current company um, until the following year, you know, really deciding um, once I finished yoga teacher training, what I was going to do next. Um, but I came to a point where I realized that I didn't want to be there anymore. I didn't feel supported um, in my job. Um, I didn't really enjoy my day to day or feel, um, I guess, valued. And it comes to a point where you, realize you don't actually have to quote unquote, stick it out. Um, you don't have to do those things. And so I, I actually received uh, a job opportunity from the gym was starting a, a new fitness studio. Um, and I had an opportunity to go and join them. And so I did that a little bit earlier than I had planned to. I did that in December. So that was my kind of move over from something that I had known for about three or so years um, basically my whole time in Boston, I was at this one, um, company and I, I left that company and, and it, it didn't feel like I thought that it would, it didn't feel like a huge loss or anything crazy like people might expect. And I think people did expect, um, you actually, I feel like my world exploded once I left my job because I was able to be in a job that was nine to five. I actually worked usually from about five thirty in the morning until two. I felt more creative. I felt more myself. And it was a really empowering change, I think, too. In the States um, and some areas of Europe, but not so much, we, or at least on the, on the East Coast of the United States, you put a lot of your life around what you do. It's where your friends are. It's where your money comes from. It's where you sometimes spend your money if you have a bar downstairs like we did. Hmm. Um, it's, it's what you tell people about almost in the first breath of meeting someone, um, and if you, if you take that away, it's hard to see where your identity lies and people are afraid to do that. And it's hard to see what other threads of commonality you might have with those people. I think that one of the most interesting things about our conversations since leaving the East Coast and traveling is that most conversations with people in Europe the question of what you do, what your livelihood is, how you earn your money never comes up 
nor would they ask that. So this whole question of identity, as far as your profession goes, vanishes from the conversation. And the things that people are really passionate about are what come out of that. I finished work at the end of March, and the first thing that I did was oh, yeah, you start working March. again. Well, I, I had this idea of building a blog for us. Yes, yeah, so sheandjim.com was built by me. I felt really good about knowing that we would have a platform that we could use in a sustainable and, and easy to use way moving forwards, not only talking about our travels, but beyond that as well. Yeah. Okay. So you both, so end of May is when you took your first trip and you went, what was your, what was your plan at that point? Sorry. So end of April. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. End of April. Yeah. The end of, the end of April, we went out West and we went out West for about a week. We did uh, Salt Lake Park City, Moab, and then um, Flagstaff, Sedona, Lake Powell. So it was like a out west trip um, to kind of feel it out. And then we came back and, and I finished work and then and then we set off on the, the real trip. Yeah. So that included like we got back from the trip. We moved out of our apartment. We packed up all of our stuff. Then we packed it all up it all up again when our vacuum bags came in well, like right. the day before we left. And uh, yeah. Then we, we left on off. May 13th. That's right. And it's August 23rd now. So yes. where did you go first? We went to Slovenia for three weeks and it was 90% rain. <laughs> yeah. Really? We actually had some really good days. Like the day that we went to Lake Bled, was absolutely incredible. Um, it was really a nice day compared to the other ones that we had. And so that was a really interesting way to start out of our trip because, you know, you plan on getting somewhere, you're exploring, you're imagining yourself, um, you know, walking around, going on all these adventures. But when it's monsooning um, and cloudy um, and you don't have access to a car the entire time, um, we were lucky enough to have access to a car, but otherwise we are kind of, um, you know, stuck to whatever was available. And so that was an interesting way to start off the trip. And I think we, it probably helped us lay a really good foundation um, for what do we do when we're, when it's not sunny and per- perfectly planned out kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And I mean, we still managed to get out and do quite a bit in Ljubljana, the capital, and made the best of the rain a couple times, but there were some days, like one day it rained three inches. The rain was coming down so hard the whole day that there was nothing really to do, you know? There was nothing that you would do outside that would have been enjoyable, fun, or safe. Yeah. We did, um, I should mention too, we went pack rafting um, on the Socha. (laughs) I forgot about that. It was our first three days, Natalie. I think it was our first three days. Yeah, we landed... We drove Sheila's friend to her boyfriend's house, dropped her off so that we would have the use of her car. And then immediately the next morning drove through the Italian and Slovenian Alps. Where it was snowing. Where it snowed uh, to go pack rafting, which now- On the river. (laughs) Where you imagine it being like sunny and you're wearing sunscreen, but nope. We were wearing like, I don't know, four layers. It was definitely cold. I had to get close. And neither of us had ever done this before. So that was really fun. Yeah. That was a great yeah. 72 hours. So that was the real start, start of our trip. Yeah. So you, so you had like all your stuff with you and you're on like a 
raft? <laughs> what does that mean exactly? Basically a blow up kayak. Yeah. Pack raft. Okay. Uh, pack what it's raft. called. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a raft that, or a kayak shaped boat that can fit into a backpack. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you started off with like, not maybe the most ideal circumstance. I mean, that sounds ideal, but in general, your trip with the rain and everything, what was morale like at that point? And how did you manage like the expectations that you'd had perhaps, or, you know, dealing with days where you actually couldn't go outside? (laughs) Like that's super interesting. Yeah. The days just kind of went by. And I think that's really when we began to understand an important lesson about traveling in our trip where if you want it to be sustainable, you can't spend every day bouncing around. You can't spend every day tasting tapas at restaurants. You have to take days where you're resting. You have to take opportunities to reflect. We actually, for the first time in our lives, started watching Netflix. True. I used to only watch Netflix when I was sick. Uh, We got really into The Crown, which now we're in London and we're really happy that we learned some things from the crown. We feel extremely informed. <laughs> so that's actually something we did when we were in Slovenia. We watched a lot of the crown. True. So that's interesting. So your lifestyle is slowed down, would you say? Yes. Yeah. And, and we discovered that, I mean, three weeks is really, I feel like the minimum amount of time that you can stay in a place in order to understand how people live there because you can't, spend every day doing things unless you want to be totally exhausted all the time and run out of money probably and run out of money although again it was actually really convenient that our trip that we had so many down days in slovenia because it's a great country to not spend a lot of money in and if the same thing had happened to us in switzerland we would definitely be broke right now (laughs) why is that exactly uh, Switzerland or Zurich is, I think, the most expensive city to live in right now. Right. So you would have had to like fill your time with. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a coffee in Slovenia is like a euro. A friend of mine sent me this email where he was like, we used to joke that everything was a single euro in Slovenia, like a hamburger, a beer, like everything. It was just a very affordable place to be starting the trip out in. Got it. Cool. Interesting. Next question is, um, how do you guys pack? Like, how well did you pack? In hindsight, are you like, oh, yeah, we we crushed it. We brought everything we needed. Or um, you're obviously carrying everything with you. So how did that go in terms of planning? Like, how do you make those decisions for what to bring? We definitely brought more than we needed the first time that we left. Still a decent job, I would say. we did. Yeah, not it bad. It, it wasn't, wasn't excessive. Yeah. I mean, there were things that I thought, for example, were funny in terms of the way that I packed. Like I brought a Hawaiian shirt <laughs> and I didn't bring the Hawaiian shirt when we went back to Europe after stopping in, in America. We, for we dropped off. Yeah. We got to the opportunity to drop off a bunch of stuff when we went home for my cousin's wedding. So that was helpful. Also, we were sort of like buying our outfit for the wedding along the way. So like yeah, I didn't true. have to, I bought a suit while we were in Slovenia and then I didn't need to carry the suit with us the entirety yeah. of the rest of the time. <laughs> so that helped. So we both have, we both have one bag. Yep. Um, if you don't include our snack bag, which we almost always have, that's another thing with saving money and for travel, 
bringing snacks because otherwise you become ravenous and you'll just buy and eat whatever you can find. Yeah. Um, but I found especially like traveling is, can be really troublesome for health and gut health. Um, and so it's been even more crucial that I eat the right things or like at the right time um, and have control over my diet, um, which is not something that I expected. So having some things that you trust um, is, is a really good idea too. Um, but we each have one bag. We each have one pair of jeans mm-hmm. and a pair of pants and we each have a raincoat and like one jacket and then a couple of shirts. I definitely am reaching a point where I'm like, Oh, I'm a little bit tired of all of my clothes. Yeah. Um, but one of the things actually that I was most concerned about was which shoes to bring um, because shoes take up so much room and we both ended up dumping a lot of our shoes. I brought, I think four pairs, maybe five pairs, including my climbing shoes the first time around. And now I only have two. Yeah. And I only have two pairs of shoes and I'm basically done using one of them because one of my pairs of shoes is a pair of, rainbow sandals which i love and swear He's by worn them but into the ground. they're just completely gone from a from a physical standpoint or from, from my for my posture's sake i think i have to stop wearing yeah. them because they're not doing good things for me anymore yeah. so, you do know, in terms of packing or at least the things that we that we have we both are um we try to be really thoughtful consumers. We buy typically from like ethical companies and companies that will, let's say, give you a, um, you have like a lifetime warranty, right? So we, it's like Patagonia, Arteric, Osprey, um, things like that. And so having items that you invest in and you trust is super important too, because we know that when we're on the road, we're going to be able to um, continuous, continuously wear things and wash them and not have a problem. Yeah. Like that active wear that's pretty like durable, dries relatively quick. And also, you know, um, is going to last. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The lasting part I think is a big thing, especially for me. Like I used to buy the cheapest jeans that money could buy, you know, and they were ill-fitting. They lasted only a couple of months for me, especially as, as in my previous life, I was a bike commuter and biking just tears through jeans so fast. Finding good things that last and are produced in a way that isn't destroying the planet is definitely an important, I think, part of the way that we've chosen to consciously travel. Yeah. Taking so many little tips for <laughs> future travel plans over here. Um, So what was after Slovenia? Uh, We went to Germany for one night. (laughs) Um, We meant to spend more time there, but we hit a traffic jam. So instead of five hours from Ljubljana to Munich, it was about eight and a half. Yeah, it turned into a nightmare drive, although we were very lucky in the sense that I had two of my friends were on a climbing trip in Croatia at the same time that we were in Slovenia, we saw them for dinner right at the start of our trip when we got back to Ljubljana after pack rafting. And then they were randomly headed to Germany the day that we decided that we were gonna make our way to to Switzerland. So we hitched a ride with them. 
Um, stayed in Munich for a night and then we caught a bus to Zurich the next day. Um, it was a lot easier to get from Munich to Zurich than from, um, any part of Slovenia to Zurich. So that was super fortunate, um, that we were able to get there and for free. Then you were in Switzerland, um, you know, drinking, how how much is a coffee in Switzerland? Seven Swiss franc, which is basically (laughs) uh, the Swiss franc and the dollar are essentially equivalent. Yeah. $7 for a cup of coffee. Yeah. So we got to a point, I wouldn't call it, I guess I I would call it, I used to call it a low, but maybe it was really a high because we'd gotten smart, but we would go to a coffee shop to borrow their Wi-Fi and we would split whatever was like cheapest on the menu. Um, (laughs) Because we were, we stayed with friends the whole time that we were in Switzerland. um, And so we could easily make food in their place. So we actually only went out for a meal twice the whole three weeks that we were there um so otherwise we were making we were making food yeah so you were committed to like let's talk about like how to travel on a budget really quick because that's a Mm -hmm. that's a good world so you would still kind of venture out and like have experiences at local cafes which I think is so fun when you do traveling but instead of breaking the bank you're like realistic like okay well we can just you know let's be smart about this like what were some other things you did besides cooking, I guess, to like still experience the culture while also just maintaining like your financial stability. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we would go out to eat, we typically would actually go out for like a lunch rather than a dinner. Um, And for some reason that really helps too, because lunch tends to be cheaper in places. Sometimes they'll have like the menu of the day um, where you can get a really decent meal for, you know, 10 euro or, um, 10 Swiss franc, um, which I guess we never really did, but, um, you know, for about 10 to $15, you get a good meal. Um, and then for dinner, we would cook in, um, breakfast. We almost always cooked in too, because we love breakfast so much. It's kind of like a sacred meal. And so we don't trust a lot of places to, Supplier breakfast. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do breakfast right for the right price and with the the food that you want. Yeah. So let's say so you know you go out to maybe one meal a day, um, but you don't always have to. Like especially now with Airbnbs, if we do get an Airbnb, we'll try to find somewhere where we can cook because it makes honestly such a huge difference. Um, not just the meal itself, but then like maybe you'll say, okay, well now that we're here, let's get a drink. Let's do this. Or like, you know, water now costs like three Euro in some places. Um, sometimes you can get surprised by things like that, or, you know, they bring you bread and then they charge you for it. Right. Um, so being really thoughtful about those things also on the topic of water. Um, the great thing about Switzerland is they have drinking fountains everywhere. I think they have the most drinking fountains of any European Zurich definitely does. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. So carrying a water bottle, we both talked about getting those water bottles that like pack up that you can roll up, Mm -hmm. but we ended up bringing, um, two sturdy water bottles, but I, I really love it because I travel with it and I can do this thing where I put it under my hamstrings when I travel. So if I'm on like a long plane ride or a bus ride, it's a good way to like help your legs from getting stiff. But I think just being really conscientious about your food, um, because traveling, it's like transportation, accommodation, and food ends up costing the most. Um, we've been really fortunate to stay with people almost exclusively. So that saved us a lot of money, the food, which we covered. And then transportation, 
we have looked for discount tickets in Switzerland. Um, overnight busing means that you also can save money on accommodations. Right. Um, so trying to be really thoughtful about those things as well. Cool. So next country after Switzerland was, <laughs> I'm trying to guess. Um, oh, we, we went to Italy. We went that to was Italy. a surprise. Yeah, this was, this was <laughs> such a fun and unique experience. A friend of mine who we otherwise wouldn't have been able to see other than the first night that we got to my friend's place in Lucerne, we saw him randomly because his parents had been staying with our other friend that Sheila and I were staying with because he and his girlfriend were about to have a baby. Um, so we like saw him extremely briefly. And later that week, he asked me after his girlfriend had given birth, if we could help him by driving their second car um, from Switzerland to Italy in exchange for being able to stay at his parents' bread and bed and breakfast for a few days. Where we feasted. We <laughs> it was like the best question to have gotten in the world. We were like, well, should we spend time with this guy that we didn't otherwise really get to see and Sheila didn't get the chance to meet? in exchange for an extremely scenic car ride. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a great idea. So we went to what some people would call like the middle of nowhere in Italy because it's not super well known. It's like people, what do they call it? So kind of like the Tuscany. The Tuscany area. of Northern Italy. Yeah. Yeah. So it it's, has beautiful farmlands and vineyards, um, but it's not at all touristy. Their garden was something out of, uh, a bucolic fantasy that I hope that we are able to achieve in our lifetime yeah. as well, because it was just the gift that kept on giving for us. And that was a really neat experience because it was like um, what we had talked about in Slovenia of slowing our lifestyle down, but in a very different way, because it was just so beautiful and tranquil there that you really could feel good just sitting and relaxing. Also it was 101 degrees. Um, so you kind of didn't want to do anything other than sit and relax, but it felt really cathartic to be in this space after being in kind of the, the more busy areas of Zurich. Sure. So that was Italy. That was Italy. And then we, <laughs> we took an overnight bus to Spain. We got on an overnight bus, which what has its pros and its cons, but definitely one of the biggest pros is that you save in terms of not having to pay for an accommodation for that night. When we woke up, we were in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. So that was amazing. Mm -hmm. So we were in Barcelona for a night, and then we went to Mallorca for, I think, three nights, three nights yeah. um, which was a really cool experience as well. Our friend from Switzerland that we had been staying with came and met us there. Um, so we spent some time on the beaches and exploring. So you were in, so we're now in Barcelona. So, or no, Mallorca. Um, what was the next country? And then that'll bring me to my next question. We went back to Barcelona for four days. Um, oh, we should mention actually, when we were in Switzerland, we got engaged. Yeah, James, was this part of your was this part of the plan before the trip, or like? Oh, it was a huge part of the plan before the trip. And I remember a friend of mine who I actually had to have the ring shipped to because I was I couldn't have it showing up at our apartment right. um, especially because Sheila got home super early and might have just like seen it on the 
doorstep or something. And I chose to do it while we were in Switzerland because we had such an amazing day out hiking Mount Rigi in Lucerne that it just felt right. It was the first time that I had brought the ring with me on an adventure that we had done. But I mean, you, you had to have been there to see how perfect this day was. And we had such an amazing time hiking this mountain. So that's when I chose to do it. Shayla, did you have any idea that he was going to propose? No, I had, <laughs> I had literally no idea. I was very, I was very surprised as I told him many times. <laughs> wow. So James, you had this ring with you. I, I'm just like imagining the stress that could have caused. I definitely thought about how funny it would be if Sheila were to randomly uncover it for sure. It all came together in a really beautiful way. I love it. More about, you know, where you went after this. Now you're an engaged couple traveling around together. And you wrote a post that really spoke to me. And I think a lot of people, you know, just the things you guys have done to keep communication going, keep the relationship strong. Um, How did you manage that from a relationship standpoint? Yeah, I think Sheila really touched on it at the very beginning when talking about how communication has been so key. Say that the communication is really at the heart of how we have been able to keep this up and going for so long. 103 days it is. 103 (laughs) days on the road without running into any major issues. I mean, the truth of it is that we don't always have great days, you know, or we don't always have great moments. And sometimes I think that the love that we have for each other makes it that we really want to fix things when there's been a misunderstanding and talk about it and reason about it. And sometimes we reason about things to death. You know, we talk about it too much and it ends up being a not good thing, but always we come out on the other side of that stronger and knowing more about each other in a way that's been really empowering and, you know, provocative. It's made me think a lot about how I view the world. And I think that Sheila really said it best when she was talking about how it's true that when you spend so much time with somebody else, you really have to keep them in mind, but you're also spending just as much time with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's really important because navigating the waves of your own emotions and identifying the things that are knee-jerk reactions versus something that you actually believe and endorse as a feeling becomes really crucial. And that's something that we've had a lot of time to identify and talk about. Yeah, we talk about this quite a lot. And think about as we've been traveling, like what, am I reacting to something or am I saying something that I really believe? Yeah. And that's, That's been huge for the both of us, I think. For couples that are thinking about traveling on the road, you spend such an intimate time with yourself because if you're upset, you don't get to ignore that by like doing the dishes or like, you know, fiercely cleaning up your room. Like you have to be upset in the face of someone else sometimes. Um, When you're sad, it's the same way when you react because of a bus being late or, um, you know, you being really hangry, you have to have those feelings around someone else and you have to bring awareness to 
the way that you're presenting yourself to the world because you're now accountable to someone else um, who's with you. And so it, it's, it's much different than the way that I had imagined. And I think that by both of us bringing awareness to that fact, then we can share in this mutual respect of like, okay, well, we're, we're actually going through self-discovery as we're going through discovery of, um, of each other. Totally. So um, just like time frame of your travel. So you got engaged in June of this in Switzerland and then um, ended up in Spain and Italy, or sorry, Italy first, then Spain. Um, yeah. What was right after that? And because obviously you're in London now. So how did yep. you get here? We had a very quick trip to the States, but we um, went back for a wedding with for my cousin. Um, and it was so lovely. We got to see um, almost all of my extended family on that side um, and spend some time in New Hampshire, which was great. But then we went back to Europe. We went to Paris and we spent most of our time in Paris. We also went to Chamonix for about four days, days, um, which is phenomenal. We want to go back immediately. And then we went on to England. Um, So we flew to London and then immediately went up to Cambridge, actually, um, to stay with a friend uh, from my hometown. You guys have a lot of friends in Europe. We are very fortunate. Yeah. So we took the train to Chamonix because we wanted to make it this like sort of light on the environment and easy on us form of transportation, less hectic than the bus, you know, a little bit more of a luxury experience. At least that's how I would define traveling by train. It's also very scenic and it's something that I would highly recommend doing in Europe, but it's not always the it's not always the most cost-effective way to travel. And randomly through the process of us traveling to Chamonix, I discovered that a friend of mine was staying in the same town that we were connecting in from our train from Paris to uh, taking a bus to Chamonix uh, in Annecy, France, and like randomly ran into a friend of mine from studying abroad in Tokyo that I hadn't seen in 10 years. Just so we had, we had lunch with her. It was and great. She took us out to lunch yeah. and celebrated our engagement. And it was, it was incredibly nice yeah. and something that I could never have predicted at the beginning of this trip. That was, that was a really cool part of the experience too. Um, and then we had some friends come and visit Paris while we were there too, um, which was really special to be able to spend some time. These are the same friends that we saw in Arizona. They came to Paris. And they actually had just gotten engaged in England. That was funny. Um, so we were like really obnoxious engaged couples running around Paris taking pictures. Love. The young couples in love in Paris. What could be better than that? And so we've been around England now since the end of July. We went to Cambridge, Oxford, the Cotswolds, um, including Bath and Bristol. We stayed with a friend of mine in Cheltenham for about a week, Mm -hmm. um, which was really fortunate as well. And then my dad actually just left yesterday, two days ago, two days ago, two days ago. Yeah. He left two days ago. He was with us for a week and that was extremely special to have him and do some traveling with him. Yeah. And guys, what's next for Sheila and James? You guys have like a couple days left on this big adventure. Like what? It's pretty wild. We still have some adventure planned in, in this trip we're going That's back true. to the Cotswolds to do some hiking um before flying out of London yeah so the next few days we'll we'll see a bit of travel for us and that'll be a lot of fun and it's exciting. a little bookend a little yeah. bookend it's our last it's our uh 
kind of like our last hurrah, I think. And to be continued with you guys, I can't wait to keep following along. I, I love the posts that you have so far. I can't wait to see what you're up to in the coming months and years down the line. And I'm just, I'm glad. Thanks so much for sharing all this with us today. Thank you for having us, yeah, Natalie. It's been an absolute pleasure. We're huge, not another wellness fans. Yay. Love it. <laughs> cool. they just the loveliest people so inspiring thank you sheila and james for being on the show and i can't wait to see what you accomplish in the future and what decisions you make after having such a life-altering time abroad and i hope this inspired a lot of you guys to think about your time you know you can do this too if you save up and travel responsibly sustainably And if you're lucky enough to have that many connections in Europe, which is so cool, I don't, but maybe you do. Take advantage of that. See, people are going to let you stay with them. Thanks for being a Not Another Wellness Podcast listener and supporting this podcast. Again, the code for that CBD tincture is NAT15. And there is a link in the show notes. If you want to donate to the show, I would literally send you a personal thank you card because that would be awesome to help me turn this into less of a side gig and more of a side hustle, if you know what I mean. Have a great day, guys. Namaste. Stay being well, keeping awesome, and cheers to all of you. Bye. Bye.